Hello listeners and welcome to the lockdown series of the British Academy of Jewelry podcast. I'm Sophie Boons and today I have invited another inspirational guest to join me in a remote discussion. Being in lockdown has disrupted our industry significantly and most of us have suddenly had some time to reflect on our individual and collective context. One man more so than others has tried to support us with this journey by providing a platform for a range of speakers to discuss a variety of topics. The numbers attending the webinars have been growing every week and the audience has been truly global, bringing jewelry professionals virtually together in a way we perhaps did not see before. To discuss his efforts and the online trade magazine Jewelry Outlook, I have invited editor and co-founder of Jewelry Outlook, David Bruh. Welcome, David. Hi there, Sophie. David, can you tell us to start a little bit more about yourself and what you do? I'm a journalist by training. I was with Reuters uh, news agency for over 30 years. Um, I was a foreign correspondent for 16 of those 30 years in places as far afield as uh, South America and Cyprus and uh, Italy and Portugal, various places. And it was actually during my last foreign posting in Rome that I sort of stumbled across the jewellery world because my news editor uh, had heard about the Vicenza Gold Fair, as he called it, and he sent me along. And so I went along to the Vicenza Oro Gold Jewellery Fair for the first time in 2001, and I just fell in love with that whole world, the beauty of the pieces, the glamour of the jewellery world, and um, there was no escape for me after that. And I immediately started writing about jewellery for different magazines on a freelance basis and ultimately um, decided to create my own digital uh, magazine, uh, jewelleryoutlook.com. And uh, I've recently replatformed it. It's a very um, globally focused trade magazine uh, rather than having a UK focus only. And also uh, it looks a lot at um, markets uh, like gold markets, uh, diamond and colour gemstone markets. But I also, I, I, I promote jewellery designers uh, a lot. I also have Insta Lives with jewellery designers, and I've had uh, webinars with jewellery designers uh, very recently. And we cover all the big issues in the industry, and, and the magazine also promotes international jewellery trade fairs, including Vicenza, but also IJL, and a whole host of jewellery shows uh, from Hong Kong to Mumbai. Uh, so now I'm fully engaged uh, in, in Jewellery Outlook. I, I still do some writing for other magazines, including uh, Rappaport magazine, for example, and also Retail Jeweller in the UK. Often my focus tends to be more markets for them. I, I'm a specialist now in auctions, high-value jewellery auctions. And before the lockdown, I'd go along to the magnificent jewellery auctions in Geneva held by Sotheby's and Christie's and I'm quite au fait with how the, the top-level auctions market works. And I've, I've seen some world record prices go for diamonds. I've been in the sales room, very exciting times. And I, I've seen the highest price achieved ever for a ruby and for a pearl uh, at auction. And this is one of the areas that I'm building up also now within Jewelry Outlook uh, going forward is, is the auction section as well as the webinar section. So I, I'm fully engaged now writing about jewellery um, you know, from a global perspective. And of course, uh, life has changed a lot under lockdown and, and the way I've worked has changed a lot, a lot under lockdown as well. During the lockdown, you have been very active, providing a platform for many speakers through the webinars, 
for any listeners out there that might not have been listening in, I don't think there's many, but what have been your favorite topics and can we still access them? Are there recordings available? Yes, so all of the uh, webinars are available. You can uh, hear the replay and watch the replay on all of them. Um, just go to the webinars section of Jewelry Outlook and look for the one that interests you and just uh, hit the replay button. They're all on the Jewelry Outlook uh, YouTube account. Um, in terms of the most interesting ones, I would say that the Christie's and Sotheby's ones were, were probably, for me, the most interesting. Marie-Cécile Chisamolo, a specialist with Christie's, gave a presentation about Art Nouveau jewellery that was really interesting and talked about the importance of René Lalique in Art Nouveau uh, jewellery, which is a relatively short period of jewellery creation at the tail end of the 19th century and the early part of the 20th century. That was really interesting. Uh, we also had um, uh, a webinar with Sotheby's talking about the outlook for the high-value jewellery auctions market during lockdown which actually has been a very positive outlook because people have been investing huge sums still on high-end, exquisite jewellery pieces. In fact, Sotheby's um, in late April sold online a Cartier 1930s Tutti Frutti gem set bracelet for $1.3 million, which was the highest price ever achieved for any jewel sold online uh, at auction. Uh, so we talked about that. Um, I've also spoken with a few jewellery designers in the webinars. Um, for example, Bina Goenka, who's a very famous Indian designer who does you know, fabulous statement pieces. And uh, we, we've had webinars with senior players in the industry, such as uh, Iris van der Weken, who's executive director of the Responsible Jewellery Council, talking about the importance of uh, sustainability uh, in jewellery going forward. It's been quite a variety uh, of, of webinars, actually, covering lots of different themes from diamond um, suppliers to jewellery designers to discussions about uh, the, the Indian retail jewellery market, for example. And also, I've written about the content of a lot of these webinars, too. We normally run a pre-webinar Q&A article looking at the big themes of the coming webinar with the pre-registration link. All of those articles are still up on Jewellery Outlook. And sometimes I do wrap-up articles afterwards with the key messages. I've also done um, moderated webinars for Vicenza Oro as well in this period, talking about the trend book 2021, looking at trends ahead. Because obviously a lot of jewellery designers are busy working hard uh, during the lockdown, and so they want to get a, an idea about what trends are coming up. Mm -hmm. Yes, and they might have been affected slightly now than what was expected before. So... You were not new to technology, obviously. What do you think are the benefits and disadvantages of these technologies of hosting webinars and enabling, you know, these discussions? Well, I, I think that digital technologies are really accelerating now through the lockdown. I mean, clearly they were developing anyway, but I think the lockdown has just moved things along so much faster. Webinars are a really good way to engage people. Firstly, they, they, they work. The technology usually works. They're, they're live. If you've got the right subject matter and the right people on board the panel, they can be very insightful. So I think what we're also seeing is that in the wholesale and retail jewellery business around the world, there is increasing marketing and also sales online. 
I mean, for example, diamonds are increasingly sold online, gems also. There are new colored gemstone trading portals emerging. And also retailers, whether it be in Britain or Italy or Hong Kong, are increasingly using digital platforms and, and digital means of sale to boost business because there's no other way to do business in this period, of course. You, you can't go to your brick-and-mortar jeweler. In Britain, the, the retail jewelers will open up again from the 15th of June, but people are still very cautious about spending. And the other issue is, you know, we are facing a, a major global economic downturn, and that is going to affect the volume of jewellery purchases and the types of jewellery that people buy, and also the way in which they, they buy jewellery. So we are about to see a big change in the whole face of, of the jewellery business uh, worldwide. What do you think are the best things jewellers could do to prepare for this big change? So for the retail jewellers, they will have to clearly prepare their shops for social distancing and uh, hygiene rules, make sure that everything is swabbed down. They have to consider the the concerns over people handling jewellery and the risk of spread of the virus. So uh, after handling jewellery, it'll again have to be swabbed down. And jewellers who are employers will have to be very aware that some of their employees may be having some mental health challenges. They need to be wary of that and have systems to help guide people who are having a lot of worries. A lot of jobs are going to be lost in the jewellery sector globally, as indeed in other sectors. And so a lot of people are going to be very concerned about fear over uh, employment. Uh, And one of the other risks going forward for jewellers will be the risk of smash and grabs and theft because whenever you have a major recession, often you have an increase in thefts. And, and of course, jewels sometimes, particularly higher gemstones, can be resold in the black market. So jewellers will need to take careful steps to protect their premises against risk of assault. And also jewellers are going to have to figure out how they can sell more online. They need to be more proactive on all the social media channels, you know, showcasing their pre-owned Rolex on Instagram, on their account, for example, using Facebook, writing blogs for their website and then tweeting them, using all these different channels and and getting their sales people to uh, also use social media channels to showcase product and to spread the word uh, about that product to the community who would buy those pieces. One of the topics that's also been covered is the fact that many trade fairs have been cancelled or postponed and the uncertainty of when it will be possible to hold and attend them again. What are your thoughts about the future of trade and retail fairs in our industry? I think jewellery trade shows are going to change markedly. Uh, They are likely to become a blend of, if you like, physical brick and mortar and digital, including virtual technologies as we go forward. The immediate concern will be those around social distancing and hygiene, of course, until a vaccine is found. So we're in a very sort of uncomfortable period right now with a lot of trade fairs actually cancelled or postponed. Uh, like Basel, for example, a number of shows have been delayed until next year, like JCK Las Vegas, Oro Arezzo. It looks like some of the shows could start uh, vamping up again around uh, September time, maybe even August. The Hong Kong March show has been rescheduled to June and now to early August. Uh, Let's see what happens there. So it's going to be a tricky period. I think the trade fairs uh, will 
continue to have a physical presence once we're beyond the immediate health concerns of the coronavirus because people do like to network. Uh, they also do like, to, where possible, to handle jewellery. This isn't a business where people like to get to know one another. They, they like to look and hand, handle the product if they possibly can. So in the longer term, that format, I, I think, will be maintained. But the shows will certainly become more virtual. There are some trade fairs that are entirely virtual already, but they've had mixed success. So I suspect that the longer term solution will be a mix of physical and virtual uh, combination for the trade. I, I don't think uh, trade, trade shows are going away. I just think we're, we're going through a very rocky period now with the difficulties of traveling to fairs. And if we do find a vaccine, then I suspect fairs will go back largely to the way they were before, but with a stronger digital and virtual component, um, that won't be going away. We'd like to see more live streaming from shows, um, more webinars uh, surrounding shows, uh, insta-lives from shows. Um, but that can be good because it can open up new trading opportunities for trade fairs beyond those who are just physically visiting the shows to people beyond, uh, maybe uh, on the other side of the world. That's very interesting, actually. You mentioned there's already virtual trade fairs happening at the moment. Could you tell us which ones so we can already have a look? There's a show um, that has been quite virtual called Palakis. It's used digital technologies a lot in, in Italy, in Vicenza. There is an Indian crafts fair taking place uh, soon, I understand, which is wholly virtual. I don't have its name, but it, but it is taking place imminently. So we'll keep an eye out for that one. And obviously, shows that are physical have been increasingly using all the digital tools in their armories during this period. Vicenza Fair, for example, Vicenza Oro uh, has streamed a few webinars at um, jewelry design trends. And I imagine they will be streaming more webinars in the coming months before the September show. We're likely to see other fairs doing likewise. I'm actually talking to the Bangkok Gems and Jewelry Fair organizers now about the possibility of hosting a uh, webinar for them uh, in July. So we'll see how, how that pans out. Well, I often personally look out for the articles you write on the changes in metal prices. You mentioned you cover this as well. Is there anything you can tell us about what's been happening with metal in the lockdown period and what you think will happen in after? Yeah, there's a lot been going on, actually. So, I mean, in terms of gold, for example, I mean, gold prices have surged to beyond seven and a half year highs. Whenever you have geopolitical turmoil and chaos largely linked to this um, pandemic, investors tend to seek safety buying gold as a safe haven. And that has contributed to the surge in the gold price to comfortably over $1,700 an ounce now, and roughly in sight of the all-time high achieved uh, several years ago of in excess of $1,900 an ounce. So a lot of analysts believe the gold price can go higher. We've also seen a, a, an element of, of catch-up from silver as well. I mean, silver prices have been very cheap relative to gold, but now investors uh, have seen value in silver, and we've seen a great flight of investment funds into uh, silver, what's called exchange-traded funds, and that has been a factor in the recent surge in the uh, silver price. Coloured gemstone prices are likely to weaken, particularly in the mid-market, 
because of the impact of the global economic downturn. Talking about trade fairs, because so many trade fairs have been cancelled in, in this period of the last few months, many gemstone suppliers have not been able to exhibit their stones and sell their stones. So their inventories of coloured gemstones are really high. And also retail jewellers have not been selling coloured gemstones because they haven't been open. So the stocks are high and that tends to weigh down on price. And also demand is subdued because of this period. And for coloured gemstones in the mid-market, uh, the price outlook is, is, is weaker. However, for coloured gemstones at the top end of the market, you know, really rare and exquisite rubies, for example, large, untreated, unheated rubies, um, the prices are likely to hold steady, can have investment potential to hold extremely rare diamonds or rubies, Paraiva tourmaline from Brazil, for example. So the top end of the market, the prices will hold up and we'll see more investment interest. We're seeing Chinese investors, for example, who perhaps in more normal times will be looking to invest in real estate. Now real estate markets are looking really weak. Many financial assets are looking very weak. You can buy a fabulous large pink diamond, for example, put it in your pocket, walk away and um, keep it in a safe for several years. And the likelihood is it will go up in value just because it's so rare um, exquisite. So uh, that side of the market, um, the top end of the gem markets, it's very high. I, I do track the precious metals and gem markets and the diamond markets uh, very carefully. Talking about diamonds, um, again, we're likely to see a shrinkage of the global uh, diamond and diamond jewellery market going forward because of the uh, economic downturn. Jewellery is it's a luxury at the end of the day, and it, it's not necessarily going to be the first priority in people's minds You know, at a time of jobs being lost in the millions around the world. So the market is, is going to shrink for diamonds in, in the near term. So for jewellery outlook, uh, I, I do write um, market columns about precious metals markets, diamond markets, and gemstone markets, and there are not many others who do this. So um, it's quite rare space. All my content is free. I just put it out there under my name for all to see and I, I stream it out on social media as well. So at least people can just read what I write for informational purposes. And then you know, if it's a jeweler, for example, can put that into their computations as to what they're gonna do in terms of restocking, for example. Precious metals markets are something I initially got into uh, while I was a Reuters correspondent, and I've um, constantly followed these markets right through. And I've got a very big network of contacts right across uh, the markets from gold importers to uh, gem dealers, uh, to the big auction houses. Um, I'm very well connected right around the world. And I can just have a chat with somebody on WhatsApp, two or three people, and very quickly get to grips with what's happening in these markets. And, and I, I write to very careful journalistic standards. Um, you know, I'm always trying to get things right. I have no angle on these markets. So, you know, I, I don't have any positions or anything in my private investment. So I try and get the balance clear and correct uh, and insightful in everything uh, that I publish. I think the beauty of the articles as well is even though they're, of course, aimed at the, the trade, I also share them with my customers because they are actually written in an accessible language. You often report news in the industry as well. And you mentioned that you have uh, interviews with artists and designers. If anyone in the audience does something newsworthy, do you welcome their suggestions of content and how should people contact you and how should they structure any information they would like to share with you? 
Well, yes, I mean, they're most welcome just to send me an email, um, you know, to, to info at jewelryoutlook.com or to my full name, David Bruff2 at btinternet.com. If they want to try writing a press release, tell me about their latest collections, for example, with some images. Uh, again, they're welcome to send those uh, press releases to me. For jewelry designers, I'm, I'm always open to the possibility of doing an Insta Live with the designer. Uh, at the moment, I'm doing about one a week, but I could raise that, particularly during this lockdown period. I've started with a series called Afternoon Tea with whoever the designer happens to be. And I, I, I run those Insta Lives on Jewelry Outlook. Uh, they also appear afterwards on IGTV. So if you go to the Jewelry Outlook Instagram account, you, you'll find some of these uh, with designers like Lydia Corte, for example, um, a very famous Paris-based uh, designer. Um, I've had a conversation also with uh, Paola De Luca, who's a, a well-known Italian jewellery trends forecaster. I've also spoken to people like James Fairhurst and Alexander Davis, who are very well-regarded uh, bespoke jewellers, with Ming Lampson on Thursday the 4th of June, which uh, uh, would be about her uh, journey as a designer. Uh, Ming has a boutique in Notting Hill in London, um, so uh, Insta Live is something I quite enjoy. They're very different from the webinars because they're kind of more informal conversations, whereas the webinars are more structured, perhaps more profound. Um, but the Insta Live is usually an, a nice chat about uh, a designer's journey. And I've got a, a series of uh, jewellery designer uh, Insta Lives now on uh, Jewellery Outlook. Again, makes these people behind these brands very accessible they're also people they find their inspiration somewhere it's very good i think particularly also for graduates to listen to these because it is inspirational just to see the people behind the brands and the and the pieces obviously the lockdown in response to the epidemic has thrown all of us a curveball many have taken this moment to reflect upon their own context for those businesses out there who have been able to adapt do you think it would be worth sharing the diverse experiences with each other in the industry? And how do you think this is best done? Yes, I, I do think so. I, mean, I, I think the, the, the jewellery magazines generally have done a good job in, in sort of giving advice to jewellers about uh, what steps they, they should take. I think online forums are a good way for jewellers to, to come together. I mean, WhatsApp is a very good medium for discussion. Uh, you can get huge WhatsApp groups uh, also, uh, webinars, industry webinars, uh, not just Jewelry Outlook, but other webinars are a good way to bring in a large audience and have interactive Q&A and discussion on uh, pressing themes. Uh, I know that India's German Jewelry Export Promotion Council, which is the promotional state-backed arm of India for the jewelry industry, has held a number of webinars discussing the, the challenges faced by jewelers and like the, the business uh, problems that they're facing and thrash them all out uh, with a view to trying to find a solution. So essentially all of these digital tools can be deployed to find solutions and they're the only way people can communicate of course now in groups because of the situation we're in. We, we can't get people into an assembly hall any longer. It has to be through a digital channel. So it's, it's really a, a question for if you like the, the trade media the magazines like Jewelry Outlook and others to, to lead the way here in terms of uh, projecting the debate, presenting the problems and finding the solutions. And we've been thinking about having webinars on mental health issues, for example, also risks of smash and grab. 
open to any jeweler who wishes to log in for free. So these are ideal formats. Um, also, I know that retail jeweler and professional jeweler in the United Kingdom have been issuing all kinds of advice articles uh, for the sector. All of this is extremely useful, and loggers, influencers, have a, a big role to play in doing interviews with industry leaders, trying to find ways forward through the problems that arise. And I've seen a number of bloggers have been very proactive in this regard. Uh, certainly some of the Indian bloggers have been very effective. People like Preeta Agarwal and uh, Renu Chaudhary in India have been very busy doing interviews and presenting webinars. Some of the audience listening might be going through a very difficult time and you mentioned you might be looking at a mental health webinar. Have you seen anything else that was really inspirational that could support others? The markets themselves, you know, giving insight into what will happen to diamond markets, colour gemstone markets, gold market and so on, because jewellers need to know if, if they completely misread the markets or if they're in denial over the seriousness of the current economic situation, they risk making errors. And if we can present an accurate and insightful view of certain themes, then that will be positive. Uh, we, we've also had for the Indian market webinars about how Indian retail will evolve. We've been talking in webinars like that about the shift online. We've been trying to identify jewellery design trends that will be in vogue going forward because again, if you're a retailer looking to restock and you, you stock pieces of jewellery that are not on trend, then it, you've wasted your money. Uh, you need to, to have jewellery that will sell, so you need to know what the trends are. That's another advantage, by the way, of, of going to the trade fairs, is that you can pick up the trends by, you know, by attending Vicenza, for example, in January. It's a really good opportunity to figure out the new trends for the year ahead. So jewellery outlook is about the future. It's about trying to figure out what's coming across every segment of the industry, and that's constantly what I'm uh, trying to work out in my mind. And We'll carry on with a, a series of webinars going forward. Uh, we'll be planning some webinars with Danat Institute for Pearls and Gemstones, and um, I'm sure that can encompass uh, pearl jewellery trends going forward. Pearl jewellery is now much more in fashion than it had been some years ago, for example, and it's really cutting edge in many ways, and you know, we, we can be looking at that. And also telling the story of how natural pearls are bound you know by divers still uh, in the middle east and gulf telling stories about how the jewelry is made and, and the journey of the gemstones from the mine to the finger important issues around jewelry such as sustainability responsible sourcing you know having a very high ethical standards that meet the ever more demanding requirements of so-called millennial and gen z consumers uh, we're right on top of that so I have a very good relationship with the Responsible Jewellery Council and we are constantly talking with them about how to project the key messages of, of having a high ethical standard across the, the jewellery trade. Thank you so much, David. I think that's really interesting. You have been in lockdown also. Can you tell us what you've been doing to keep busy aside from all of the exciting things that we can see online? Has there been anything that has kept you positive? I have to say Netflix <laughs> because, uh, yes, I've, I have been working really hard. I mean, I, you know, I've been churning out all these, these articles and webinars. I'm in my house in the countryside in Hampshire and I'm able to go on walks uh, in the field. In the early period of the lockdown, I, I saw this uh, young deer uh, in the field and I would go out uh, quite a few times and I would see the deer 
And then I kind of made friends with a coot uh, in the stream nearby. And I'm you know, really aware of all the bird life around, which is really fabulous here. So nature has been sort of fabulous. Of course, the weather's been pretty good right through this period. And I've been doing some work in the garden, sort of sawing up wood and doing some tree surgery, that kind of thing. But in the evening, um, I've been watching a lot of uh, good Netflix um, movies. Uh, I saw Marco Polo and uh, The Last Kingdom. And I've also been catching up with some, some old films that I had never actually amazingly seen, like Vertigo, uh, the Alfred Hitchcock movie. And I really enjoyed that. Watching good quality drama is a is, is very nice thing to do, uh, having spent the day battling with the, the, the gold market, if you like. You know, for me, it's been okay this period. Obviously, there are some down days. Um, I mean, it's not all fab. Obviously, the situation around us is, is very uh, difficult, very tragic for many people. And, you know, one is always aware of that. And that's why I did launch the webinars, because I wanted to do it as a kind of almost like a public service broadcast the industry to give some sort of useful advice and insight to help businesses and individuals through this crisis in, in the German jewelry industry. And I think I've had success in doing that. But like everybody, I look forward to the time when we come out of it and things can get back to norm, some kind of normality again. We'll just have to be patient, I guess. Yeah, this has also been the reason for the BAJ podcast, to try and keep each other motivated with things to listen to when we have a little bit of time. That this time has significantly disrupted our industry is a fact, and I have been confronted with this week by week. But that our industry is versatile and that there are many players in it who are determined to support it in order to not only overcome this crisis, but learn from it has also been crystal clear. This difficult time has ignited our collective spirit and more so than ever is the industry prepared to engage in discussions about how it can evolve, which in my opinion can only be a good thing. By connecting with each other and learning from each other, we can all become individually and collectively stronger. So if you haven't done so already, listen to those webinars recording available on the topics that interest you and engage with the subject. I believe this will not only provide you with some interesting ideas, some of them potentially from across the world, it will also allow you to see we are all in this together. For making it happen and for speaking to me today about his efforts, I would like to thank David Brah. We are very grateful for your insights and time today. I really enjoyed that and um, thanks so much. Next week, I'll be joined by another guest. So watch this space to find out who it is. For now, this was Sophie Boons for the lockdown series of the BAJ podcast titled A Jury Outlook in conversation with David Bro. I wish you a good weekend and thank you for listening.